Hello and welcome to the Swansung Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swansung Project. We're a charity that helps people face the end of their lives to write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can look us up on our website, swansongproject.co.uk. You can also follow us across the different social media platforms on YouTube. Uh, yeah, give us a follow and a like and all that good stuff. We appreciate the support. This podcast features a range of songwriters and we talk about music and bereavement. They share with us one of their songs, talk a bit about how they wrote it, they share with us a songwriting tip, and they also share with us a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. This episode features Graham Browning, and hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with Graham Browning. Thanks for joining me, Graham. Good to be here. So uh, if anyone's seen these podcasts before, you know we do them in three sections. First, we're going to have one of my guest songs. I'm going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that. Uh, section two, Graham's going to share with us a songwriting tip, like a useful for new songwriters. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to Graham in some way related to bereavement. So uh, I'm going to ask Graham to introduce his song now, and then we'll, uh, we'll hear that. Okay, so this is a song that's called Over the Moon. I'm over the moon, she said, and I said, oh, that's a shame. You seem to be getting along so well while we're wrong. He was seeing somebody else, she said. I could see it in his eyes. You wouldn't believe the lies he told, I always knew. He had a dark side, but over the moon, over the moon, over the moon, I'm over the moon, over the moon, over the moon. I took it really bad, she said, but he means nothing to me now. I'm coming back to earth, got my feet back on the ground. But he still comes around, she said, I take no notice. I keep my curtains closed so he can see inside. And I'm over the moon, over the moon, over the moon. I'm over the moon, over the moon, over the moon He was so bright, she said He took all my light, she said I could not see what was right in front of my nose But I'll find some other lips and he will be totally eclipsed in the affairs of the heart. That's how it goes. And I'm over the moon, over the moon, over the moon. I'm over the moon, I'm over the moon. 
Okay, brilliant. So that was Over the Moon by Graham Browning. So, uh, yeah, what can you tell us about writing that one, Graham? Um, well, it came out eventually during lockdown. I think I'd had bits and pieces of it lying around. I don't know why, but I felt compelled to write a song that said something about the moon. Um, and I had all sorts of notes and things about... I got interested in different types of moons. You know, you can get blood moons and wolf moons and all that sort of thing but the song just wouldn't come and then some at some point i had a notion that this phrase that we use very kind of commonly over the moon that i could turn it on its head and make it mean something different and so i'm over the moon she said is how it starts and and then i say that's a shame and it's mm -hmm. it's uh I just like that turnaround really. And, uh, and then having done that, it took me several weeks to kind of come up with the, I was trying to work in things to do with the moon. So it mentions having a dark side, things to do with faces, things to do with being seen by the moon and being able to see the moon in a kind of a bleak kind of way. Mm -hmm. It took quite a long time to come. And uh, what made it flow in the end was I found a chord sequence that I felt like I could sing it too. And then as usual, you know, you get something like that and then, it, and then the whole thing flowed out as a song. And the other thing that happened with it is, was I was trying to write a, a fourth verse because it goes verse, verse, mid, late, and I was thinking there should be another verse. And then I realized whether well, the song has kind of said what it has to say, so I can just stop there. So, and, I, and I quite like the fact that the mid, late is at the end. It's a great realization, though, isn't it? Sometimes when you think, <laughs> yes. "I don't need to write another verse." <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the song. That is a good realization. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a really interesting way of doing it. And um, I, I was, yeah, I really like you know you talking about the use of the moon language. The, the um, yeah. I think it's linked in the middle late at the end. The um, find another pair of lips, and he will be a totally eclipsed. Eclipsed. Oh yeah, what a, it's a good really corny good. line, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I really like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, rhyming lips with lips is uh, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. really good one. I remember hearing, I can't remember I heard someone described it as, so like with that, when you knew you were going to do the song about the moon, did you, did you make a list of these kind of things, of, you know, like descriptive things about the moon that could be used in other ways, or did they just come out naturally as? I did, I did start to when I was trying to write this other thing, which was more about the, the different phases of the moon. But for this, when I got to this stage, that stuff just didn't, it wasn't any more relevant because it had actually become more of a kind of a, um, of a love song than a moon song, if you know what I mean. Mm. So no, so I didn't really have a list of things there. They just came out in, again, in the writing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I can't that's, that's something I often find is that, um, I write notes all the time. I've got masses of stuff on my computer. I've got books upstairs with loads of stuff in it. Load, a lot of it never ever finds its place in a song. And I feel like that's, um, it's, that's just part of the process is doing all this stuff. And it's like forcing open the tap when the song finally comes out. That's, that's what it's about. Yeah.
Yeah, I was thinking of it. I think it was Hemingway called it iceberg theory of the idea that the, what's the actual piece of art that's released is the tip of the iceberg and right. what, the, what okay. the writer's done before is the is, yeah under the water. Yeah, yeah, can be like that. Yeah, mm. although sometimes, I mean, for me, it's entirely varied and random how a particular song gets written. Sometimes it can happen very, very quickly, and then other songs have taken me several years to, to pull together. Yeah, um, is there something like yeah, like you say, the realization with that song when it was finished and you didn't have to write another verse? Is there anything consistent with your writing of when you know that a songs when you have that feeling of like this song's complete now? I think I often know that. I kind of it, yeah. I mostly I think I know when I'm kind of done, but I, I'm. I don't entirely trust my judgment. Mm -hmm. There are things that I've written that I've shown to friends or people that I'm working with and they've just said, don't think I just kind of dismissed it and I thought they were very good. And they were kind of rubbish things that other people have heard a bit of and said, oh, do more of that. And I was going to discard it and they said, no, no, that's, that's good and that would turn into something. So no rules, just... Mm -hmm. <laughs> Yeah, you just have to work your way around. Yeah. Yeah, it's also it's kind of an interesting thing of like what's... Because, I mean, obviously you can work on songs forever, can't you? You could just keep writing. But there's, uh, yeah, what, the, what those boundaries are when people know that a song's finished. If I guess sometimes you might start a song and knowing what you're aiming for and then you can kind of take it off in a way. Or... Sometimes, sometimes, yeah. That's a rare thing for me, knowing, knowing what I'm aiming for. But it does, it does happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wrote a song called um, Miss Quincy Makes Good Jam. I don't know if you've heard that. I think I know that one now. Right. Well, that's a, I saw a, a, a kind of country blues singer at a friend's house. She did a set, a house concert. And she calls herself Miss, she's Canadian. She calls herself Miss Quincy. She was an incredibly attractive woman. Everybody in the room, you could tell they were in love with her, including me. <laughs> and uh she was kind of very hard drinking, told lots of tales about drinking and, and stuff like that. And I just had, whilst I was sitting there listening to her, I suddenly, and she sang songs that had got that kind of old bluesy um, sexual connotation in them, you know? And I had a notion whilst I was sitting there listening to her, I'm going to write a song called Miss Quincy Makes Good Jam. And usually if I have a notion like that, nothing happens afterwards but then um i think it was in the course of a car journey the whole song just wrote itself in my head as i went along i had a little pad by my on my seat i was writing all these, all these lines down yeah so that was a deliberate intention and, I, and it came out and um and it has that kind of you know throughout has that kind of sexual connotation in it so I was, I was very pleased with that, but it's a rare event for me. I think I do know that song actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you, um, when you when you're writing stuff, do you often have uh, a musical idea paired with a lyrical idea? Like the uh, like with that one, was it were you wanting to make it sound in that bluesy style, or like do you, do they often come separate? Or? Certainly, with that one, I knew it was going to be a bluesy kind of style, and I kind of roughly knew what chords that might involve. Yeah, yeah. But uh, again, there's not a rule 
about that. I can have a, a, a set of words around and a set of chords that I might have them around for years before I realize that they might work together. Um, sometimes I deliberately put words with a, with a set of chords that I've got knocking around that, that, that don't seem to fit. Mm-hmm. So that there's a kind of an incongruous relationship between the words and the tune. I think I sometimes sing um, sad songs that are quite got quite a jaunty rhythm. So again, there's no particular way. Sometimes, sometimes I've got, a, I've had a, a, a set of chords that I've played, a kind of a chords and a, a way of playing it that played for years and years and years. Um, and then eventually some words arrived, which just sort of slot into those chords. But that happened after years. I got a song, was it? And that, actually, that's only, it's not really mine. It's, some, it's, um, it's the setting of some poems, Three Pig Poems, it's called, right. by a man called Spike Hawkins. But that just seemed to slot beautifully into these, into these chords. Oh, nice. So and that can happen to anyone. Yeah, I guess it's a good lesson in, in keeping things. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Do you lose stuff? I do all the time. All, all the time, yeah. Mm. Me, um, me and the band were especially terrible for it. Like we start oh. practice, we just we jam, and yeah, that's how we start when we practice. And often the first half an hour, forty-five minutes, sometimes we just be jamming things. And often it's like, this is great. This is going to be really good. Music. <laughs> I'm going to put some good lyrics to this, and it'll be great. And then they just completely forget what it is, and we're terrible right. for not recording stuff. That's uh, a lesson. I'm the same. Yeah. Do you make? I. I the other thing I do is I play things, record them, lose them, and then find them again. And, and I can't play them. <laughs> I can't work out what I was doing. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> you, need a, you need to record and write stuff down as well. Yeah. But I guess, you know, you do what you do, don't you? Yeah. I remember I used to drive people crazy as well when I'd like, if I'd, if I'd yeah, come up with like a riff or something like that that I really liked. I'd just play it over and over and over and over and over, just trying to drill it into my head so I wouldn't forget it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know why I didn't think, I mean, this was probably a few years ago, I didn't have phones as good, but um, I remember like not thinking it was an option to record it anyway, and just think like, I need to just make sure I remember this. So anyone who was around would just hear me playing the same riff over and over and over. Um, yeah, yeah. But I still forget a lot of the time. Well, the phone is a, the phones help a lot, don't they? You can mm. just, just make a quick recording. Yeah. yeah. And part of me used to think of it as like it's a bit of a test of how good the idea is. If if I remember it, it must be yeah, a good there is idea. That. And mm. if I forgot on it, then maybe it wasn't wasn't as good. And yeah, yeah, maybe maybe a risky game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So let's move into, into section two now. So this is where I ask ask my guests to share with us a uh, songwriting tip. So um, what would your tip for us be, Graham? I thought a lot about this and um, I really don't know how to help you write songs. So I was going to talk a bit about rhyme because I'm a bit stuck on rhyme. When I start to write words in my head, I immediately start to hunt out rhyme words. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that works for me because the rhyme can, can bring new ideas because it brings in a, a word that you wouldn't necessarily have thought of. So it can work as the engine for making things move forward. But sometimes it just feels like a break. I'm stuck for a rhyme. I don't know where to go. So I give up. So I kind of make myself try to write without rhyme 
from time to time so far. I think if you are if you are a rhyming songwriter, it's worth trying sometimes to deliberately write a song with that doesn't have end rhymes in it. It could have um, um, internal rhymes within the lines, but try and write something without rhyme in it. I think is a good idea, and try to find other ways of joining lines together rather than rhyme. So there are other mechanisms that you can use one of which i like is to use the same word as you end the line to begin the next line mm. it's a very it's it sort of sounds quite strange but it's a nice way of linking things so that's really it really. just kind of play with rhyme or play with not rhyming and actually it really doesn't matter i think one of my best songs has got um has no rhyme in it at all. And, and, and I'm not quite sure it is what the glue is that holds the, the, word, the you know, the, the lyric together. Mm. Which song's that? Uh, it's called Say These Words. Um, and that was driven by just a, a rhythm, which, you know, which, which made me write it. But it's, yeah, like I say, it's not, um, it's got, shall I tell you, the first verse is, I really like this because it's so, um, the sentiment in it is quite extreme. I couldn't possibly touch you. That would feel like betrayal. It's not that I'm against betrayal. I just find it hard to manage, which is a fairly horrible line. In many ways. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, so think about rhyme and think about not rhyming. That's a good idea. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really good one. Um, I share what you said at the start about like I often quite like I like the rhymes that pull me in different directions um, like you say yeah. you've, got, you've got one line that you like and then whatever words rhyme with that it might spark some different ideas how the next line might go um, but also like you can feel bound by it and feel like you fall into the same patterns if you use rhyme in a similar way in a lot of songs yeah but, yeah, yeah. I, I find it very difficult to to find like to find a way of, of lines flowing without without the rhymes um, but then when it does work, it is, I'm trying to think there was, there's one particular song that I remember like just being shocked when I like read the lyrics without listening to it. I was like, actually these words don't rhyme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, some people seem to be able to do that. They just, mm. some people seem to sing just like as if the words were just coming into their head. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a good challenge. And some of those things, like you say, like using uh, internal rhymes and those different little tips and tricks you can do to. Yeah. Internal rhyme. Like something that again i'm a bit o over attracted to those sort of things so i have to be careful <laughs> yeah yeah definitely keep things interesting and pull you into interesting directions yeah yeah brilliant yeah thanks for that graham uh so let's move into section three now so this is where i ask my guests to share with us a song, a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement and what i do here is i put the link to the song in the description so if you're watching or listening to this at home you can uh, go and listen to the song, come back and hear us chat about it for a little while. So uh, what song did you choose for us, Graham? Um, did I choose Pain? Did I choose... It's called... That, it's, this, I can't remember the title now. It's Sparkle yeah, Boy's it song. Yeah, it was called... It, called, it wasn't called... It starts with Pain, doesn't it? But the, yeah, but it's not called that, is it? It's a really weird thing. I'm a huge Sparkle Horse fan and I don't know what any of his songs are called. <laughs> it's called and Revenge. I, Revenge, that's it. Of course yeah. it is. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. 
So yes, if you're watching this, if you want to listen to the song, it'll be the description, Revenge by Sparkle Horse and Danger Mouse, isn't it? Yes, it features Danger Mouse. Yeah, or produced by Danger Mouse, I can't remember. Okay. Yeah. Cool, so yeah, so what made you choose that song for this section? I thought for quite some time about um, a song that I connect with grief. And, and there isn't anything particularly strong. Um, as a, if, if I think my dad, for example, I can think of music that was important to him and there's, there's stuff that I really like to listen to because I know that he liked it. But there were not, nothing really, particularly around songs. Um, on a kind of personal level, but this particular song, um, the guy, Sparkle Horse was basically one man, Mark Linkus. And he released this song and I don't get, I don't know the exact dates around this. I was a massive fan and I went to see him a couple of times and I just absolutely loved his stuff. And around about 2010, he released this album and that song was on it. Around about the same time, he also committed suicide. And that was a, it was a massive sort of time of grief for me that he had gone. And I still, um, still makes me sad that he won't make any more music, you know. Mm. So it's not grief on a kind of personal level, but it was a very deep kind of feeling of loss. And um, I'm going to take you across the room now <laughs> to show you that I've got a picture of, can you see that? I'll try and get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's a picture of Mark Linkus and a strange mm. horse thing that was in, um, was in his obituary in The Guardian. Uh. <laughs> And the other weird thing about it is that he talks in, this, in that song, in that revenge song. It's about trying to hurt somebody and it ends up hurting yourself. And he talks about, um, I have shot and stabbed you through the heart. And he did actually end his life by shooting himself through the heart. Wow. So, and, and the, so it's kind of full of pain and, and loss is that song. Yeah. Strangely, it was also the second time that he died. He accidentally overdosed many years before um, and was in a um, kind of coma for a long while, um, collapsed on his legs, lost the use of his legs. When he, when they, when he, re when he came out of this, he had a whole series of operations so that he could walk again and got his life back on track and then and then committed suicide. So it's always felt like an incredibly powerful song to me. And but also my long-term, about 10 year relationship broke up at the same time as all this was going on. And for a long time I, I associated the grief of sort of losing that relationship with the grief in this song as well. So I still find this an incredibly powerful song for all sorts of reasons to do with with loss yeah so that's why that's why i chose it yeah yeah it's a lot of powerful uh stuff in there and yeah um what you're saying about the grief you feel when for losing you know like people that you don't necessarily know it's an interesting one isn't it like um i remember like when leonard cohen died for example feeling sure a real sense of grief around it and at the time thinking and one for me was clarence clemens from the east street band when he died it was just like it really shook me and feeling like feeling a bit confused about why I felt why it hit me so hard, someone I'd never met. But I think what yeah. you said then about knowing that 
you're never gonna you're not gonna get any new music from them uh, and just that they're kind of they're gone in a way it's uh yeah I mean, it can be it can be a variety of things. It can be not getting new music. It can also be just be because they're so iconic, mm. aren't it? Um, it's sort of cliche, but I remember I was I was living and working in Spain when John Lennon died, and could hear stuff on the radio, which took me a lot of time to work out what was actually going on. And then I was teaching, and I went to teach in the evening, and I just said to my students, "I'm not going to do anything this evening." I'm I'm too sad. Yeah. <laughs> We're not going to do any work tonight. Yeah. Um, and by that time, I think I didn't like what John Lennon was particularly doing. I didn't even like John Lennon as a person very much, but he was huge in my, in my life and in my formative years, in my teens. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, they, it can be powerful. Yeah. And it's another bit of a lesson in, like... Um, I think grief doesn't have to make sense that a lot of people can't yeah, I think like oh I shouldn't feel this way because I mean like like and most, mm. a lot of kind of pain and stuff in different ways as well like it's and it's you know it's what people feel is what people feel regardless of how close they were to the person or um, absolutely yeah and then it's yeah like kind of acknowledging that and being okay with it is is a good step really isn't it and rather than I shouldn't feel sad about this. I should just go yeah. with things. It's you like, should feel how you feel. You yeah. Be, yeah. Allow yourself to feel however you feel. Yeah. yeah. Just listen to that song. If you, if you want to feel, you know, if you, if you want to get down, uh, then that song, it's got a beautiful chime that goes on. I don't know if you noticed it. I think so. It, but it just rings through the song. And I find that incredibly, um, yeah, goes straight to my heart. Mm. I love the, the first line, so is it pain? I guess it's a matter of sensation. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, a great way to start off. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's a good album, actually. It's got quite a mix of, it was, a, you know, it was him working with a whole variety of other musicians, including, like, Flaming Lips and uh, David Lynch, of all people. And, yeah. yeah, yeah, so it's an interesting album. Yeah, yeah not, not someone I've heard of before, Sparklehouse, but I'm looking forward to listening to that uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a Sparkle Horse obsessive, really. Although, strangely, like I say, I don't remember the names of his songs. I just, and I, he, he sings masses about horses. He sings strange songs about horses, um, which I don't really get. But there is something about his, just the tone that he produces that, uh, yeah, I absolutely love it. Yeah. yeah. Good stuff. Oh. Sorry, you going to say something? No, no, that's me. Cool. That's too. Good stuff, yeah. Well, thanks a lot for joining me, Graham. And um, I'll put links to your your Facebook pages and website in the description here, so people can check out Are those the songs we talked about available on your your Bandcamp and things. I think you'll get them on SoundCloud, possibly Bandcamp. I think my I think the Graham Browning Trio website is defunct <laughs> since the band is more or less defunct. Ah. So um, yeah, I wouldn't go looking for that. But we still we do stuff. We're not really current. The Graham Browning trio is um, is probably finished. Um, one of us, well, I've got a, a bit of a problem with my voice, which has caused us problems. And um, Pat, my guitarist, clarinet player, singer, is about to move to Mongolia. Ah, uh, that would make gigging hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's going to cause us some rehearsal problems. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'll put the links anyway. I know you've been doing oh, yeah. some some collaborations with uh, Hugh, haven't you? Of uh, Natural Causes. Yeah, yeah, we could. Yeah, yeah. There's a few new yeah. songs there that I can link. Uh, yeah, some na Natural Causes would be good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Be looking and more will appear there. I'm hoping. Yeah, great stuff. Cool. Thanks a lot for your time, Graham. I really appreciate it. Thank you. That's been a, a real great pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for fun. asking me. Yeah, always fun talking songwriting with you. Um, and you. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon.